We've been studying the book of Colossians. We've had been three weeks been studying the book. We're taking a pause from it this week uh, to have communion and to have a little communion meditation. But we'll jump back into Colossians next week and finish uh, chapter 4 of the book of Colossians. Thoughts. Have you ever had a thought? Has anybody ever thought? Have you, has anybody ever had a problem... Have you ever had a problem to stop thinking? (laughs) Do you wish sometimes you could just stop thinking? Do you wake up in the middle of the night and start thinking? Thoughts. Thoughts lead to opinions. Thoughts lead to opinions. Opinions lead to Beliefs. And beliefs lead to faith or actions. Okay. So I believe something about... I have a thought about education. And then I form an opinion that becomes, after it's baked, it becomes a belief. And now based on my belief... I'm going to choose the way I'm going to educate my children. I might believe that homeschooling is the best. I might believe that secular schooling is the best. I might believe Christian schooling is the best. And in some cultures, I might believe no schooling is the best. But based on my belief, I'm going to act. And faith is beliefs in action. Faith is belief in action. So in the accounting world, there's a a term called G-I-G-O. You could pronounce it GIGO. And basically what it means in, in regards to data, it means garbage in and garbage out. You put garbage in, Garbage comes out. You put in good data, good data comes out. And the same is with our thoughts and our actions and our belief. If we put stinky thoughts, will lead to stinky beliefs that will lead to stinky actions. Or let me say this, improper thoughts lead to improper beliefs that lead to improper actions. Untrue thoughts lead to untrue beliefs that lead to untrue actions, actions that do not express the truth. So what I want us to do this morning, this is the second, basically, New Year Sunday we had this year. We had the first New Year, the Western, and now we have the Chinese New Year. It's very important what we believe and how we believe. And, you know, I can take my hand and put it in a a basin of water and leave it there for about five minutes. And when I take it out, it's kind of wrinkled. And our minds get wrinkled with the information we put in it. So what I want us to do this morning is I want to wrinkle our minds in some things that the Scriptures say are very true. I want to talk about the truth of our Heavenly Father, I want to talk about the truth of his son. 
I want to talk about the truth of the gospel in our relationship to him. I want to bathe our minds this morning in truth. And how we perceive truth about God will definitely affect our actions. So I'd like to give you a little example out of the Old Testament, the story of David and Goliath. And also in this story was Saul, who was the king of Israel. And Saul's relationship with God was something like this. Saul was king and God was convenient. Saul looked to God to help him be a hero, to help him look good before his subjects. He wasn't particularly obedient to God. He wasn't particularly dependent upon God unless God served his purpose as well. He was self-sufficient, independent, and prideful. Now David, at this time, is a very young man, maybe 17, we don't know, 18. David was a shepherd, and he had learned to depend upon God when he watched these sheep at night, he'd stay up all night long watching sheep to protect them from wolves or other predators who might come after these sheep. And at one time in his life, a bear came up. And with his sling and a rock, he was able to kill a bear. And then there was a time when a lion came up, the fiercest of all creatures on the face of this earth. And do you think David was, felt confident when he saw that bear? Do you th- feel, think David felt confident when he saw that lion? No, he said, Lord, I can never hit that target. I can never sling it hard enough to do anything but bounce off that bear or bounce off that lion. Will you please deliver me? Will you deliver me from the mouth of the, the bear? Will you deliver me from the mouth of a lion? And independence, independence upon his heavenly father, David slew both the lion and the bear. And then we see this predator, Goliath, this giant of a man coming out and raging against the children of Israel. He says, you just send one man forward to fight me, and if I beat him, we'll be your subjects. If I beat him, you'll be my subjects. If he beats me, we will be your subjects. And so what did Saul do? What did his son Jonathan do? They shivered at fear when they saw this giant because they actually had a very small picture of God in their hearts. Their perception, their thoughts about God, he was very small. He was not relevant. They had not lived a life of dependence upon him, but rather on their own abilities or position. But David, on the other hand, saw a very big God because he had thought about God. He had depended upon God. He had studied the truth about God. And so when he saw Goliath, he saw this very small giant and a very big God. And once again, David went out and said, Father, I I can't even hit this guy. I don't have the strength to do that, but Lord, will you deliver me in this moment? And then David, a very young man, depending on a very strong and powerful God, 
went forward, and God used him to slay Goliath. You know, that stone didn't kill Goliath. It just knocked him out. We're told later he took Goliath's sword and cut his head off. His perception of God, his belief of who God was, led him to act in a way that God brought glory to himself and to the nation of Israel. Where Saul's perception of God led him not to act because he was fearful. So this morning, I'd like for us just to think, just to meditate, meditate a little bit upon who this God is, who our Father is. We're told that he is omnipotent. In Colossians, we've been talking about the supremacy of Christ. He's omnipotent. That means he is, he is all-powerful in all circumstances. He rules over all. He is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about me. He knows everything that will happen. He knows the conclusion of everything. There's nothing he doesn't know. He's also omnipresent. What does that mean? That means he's everywhere all the time. All the time with you, all the time with me, all the time with your parents who maybe be in North America or Scotland or Africa. He's ever-present with us. And not only is he ever-present with us because he's all-knowing, we're told he even knows the number of hairs on each of our heads. He can be online personally with each of us simultaneously 24-7. It's not like he spends his time with John and he has to take a break and go over here and see Winston. No. John can have his full attention. I can have his full attention. You can have his full attention 24 hours a day. And he's all-knowing. He knows everything. He's all-powerful. And he's forever with us. He's also all-loving. For God so loved the world that he three times said no to his son. Three times. Who asked that that cup could pass from him. And he looked in his infinite knowledge into every person he was ever going to create. He saw your face. He saw my face. The ones who he had chosen, he looked back at the son and said no. Three times. For God so loved that he gave his only son. He said no to him three times that you and I might have everlasting life. And this is the God, as we go into 2019, that wants us to think about his person, his sufficiency, his supremacy, and for us to understand that he is totally dependable. And we can put our foot down on him. And he will not forsake. He will never fail. He will always be there for us. And now I want us to think about the Son. The second person of the Trinity. We're told that in the beginning was the Word. Christ. And the Word was with God. Christ was with God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Christ was God. And in Him was life, 
And the life is the light of all men. We live in a dark and fallen world, a world of darkness. But he was the light. Darkness has no property in and of itself. Darkness is just the absence of light. But Jesus was the light, and he was the light of all men. And he became flesh, and he dwelt among us 2,000 years ago. And we're told that we have beheld his glory. Glory is the only son begotten of the Father, full of grace, full of truth. The law was given by Moses. You shall not do this. You shall not do this. You shall not do this. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not kill. You shall not steal. You shall not be unfaithful. You shall not covet. What did the law show us? What the law showed us, number one, what God was like. Because God says, I'm not a liar. I'm not unfaithful. I don't covet. I don't steal. But the law also showed us what we were like. It showed us that we were not like God. But Jesus, full of grace, came and took your sin, took my sin upon himself, and he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. And this is the truth of the gospel, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. There's nothing we could do to earn God's forgiveness for our sins. There's not enough good we could ever do. But Christ took upon himself your sin and my sin, was judged, basically went to hell. The, the cross, the physical death of, cross, of Christ is not the issue. That's what the Romans, that's what man could do to Christ. What God did to Christ, we couldn't see. We, he took him who knew no sin and, and made him sin and then poured out his wrath upon him. For God so loved that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would accept him or believe in him would have everlasting life. And who is this Christ? This is more to think about, more to put in our minds, more to meditate on the truth. We're told that Christ was the image of the invisible God. He was, through him all things were made. All things on earth, in heaven, all things visible and invisible were made through him. And he was the beginning. And in him all things hold together the universe, the atoms in our body, everything holds together through Christ. In him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He was the beginning. He was the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. That everything he might be first. And in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Christ. And through him to reconcile to himself all things on earth and in heaven, 
making peace through the blood of his cross. And you and I, who were estranged from him, hostile, doing evil deeds, he has reconciled through his body of death to present each of us who accept him holy, blameless, irreproachable for his sight. That is the truth about Jesus. And Jesus talks about himself, the more truth about Jesus. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep. A, a hired man will see a wolf coming, he'll run away because he's just a hired man. But a shepherd will stay and die for his sheep. He says, I am the way. He didn't say, I am a way. Our brother mentioned that this last Sunday in Craig's message. Jesus says, I am the way. There's no place you need to go but to me. All, all roads of truth lead to me. I am the way. And Jesus says, I am the truth. There's no information, there's no formula that you need to understand what truth is. I am truth. I am the embodiment of truth. And Jesus says, I am the life. I am life. The scripture says, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life and the wrath of God rests upon him. You might say, well, I'm, I'm alive and I don't have Jesus. Well, you're alive, but you're the walking dead. To have life, you and I had to be reconciled to God that he could put his life in us. And the only way we could be reconciled to God is he had to wash the sin off your hand, off my hand, off my heart, off your heart. And he did that through the blood of his son Christ and his sacrifice for us. And as we accepted that, or if there's anyone here who has never accepted that, it's offered freely. It's a gift of God, not of anything that you or I can ever do, lest any man should boast. We accept it humbly. Thank you, Jesus that you died in my place. He also said, I am the door. I am the door. It's basically the door leads to heaven. No one comes to the Father except by me. That's what Jesus said about himself. No one comes to the Father except by me. It's not a theological argument. It's just the truth. Because only through passing through him, only through passing through his sacrifice can we enter into the presence of God who has pure eyes than to behold sin. He loves sinners, but he hates sin. And he cannot embrace us unless we've been washed in the blood of his son and have on the garment, the wedding garment, that he provides for us. Jesus says a lot of things about himself. 
a lot of things. And we need to meditate on those things in Scripture where he talks and speaks of himself. He says, I'm the vine. My father's the vine dresser. We talk about that a lot here. I'm the vine, basically, that brings father's life into the world. Each of you are a branch. He saved us that he could bear fruit, his life through us. That we might bear much fruit, that we might be an expression, that he could express his life through us. Okay, a couple other truths I want to talk about, about ourselves. You know, in the Colossian studies, we talked about this mystery that's been kept, hidden for generations. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, we hear that and say, well, that's a, that's a theological statement. But brothers and sisters, it is not merely a theological statement. It is a fact. In fact, two persons of the Trinity indwell all of us who have accepted Christ into our life. The Son and the Holy Spirit. Paul says, your body is the temple. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That means everything I look at, everything I think about, every word I say, I'm saying it in the presence of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And you talk about grieving the Holy Spirit. Have you, do I, you and I look at things. Do you and I say things. Do you and I think things that we wouldn't want to broadcast on this screen behind us on Sunday morning? Well, the Spirit sees it. The Son sees it. The Father knows everything. So don't think for a second that you and I can hide anything from a God who is omnipresent, omniscient. There's nothing in our lives that escape him. So, brothers and sisters, in 2018, there's no reason for any of us to try to hide anything from him. He'd rather even take our worst thoughts and say, Father, I just had that bad thought, and I'm going to have it again, but would you deliver me from this? And he really wants us to start depending on the Holy Spirit and the living Christ living in us. We have this great resource. We're told in Scripture, you have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. We have his spirit. We have the possibilities of his life being expressed through us. His love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness, his meekness, his self-control. All of those are available to us. But we have to believe that he will really act, that he is really present in us. That he can truly love our wives as he loved the church that he can truly love our husbands, that he can truly shepherd our children, that he really wants to act. And we're not talking about some theological understanding. We're talking about the person of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling us and wanting us to access him. So what does that look like? I mean, when we leave here, <laughs> Jesus, would you keep me from being impatient in the car? with my children on the way home? Jesus, would you listen to my life, wife through me? Jesus, would you love my wife through me? 
Jesus, would you help? Would you, would you let me have a conversation with my parents? Would you speak to them through me? You say, Rick, Jesus, Jesus is not that close. Yes, he is. He is closer than hands or feet. He actually wants to live his life through you and through me 24-7 this year and every year through the power of his spirit. Paul says an amazing thing. He says, in Christ dwelt the fullness of the God in bodily form, and he said, each of us are complete in him. Complete, that's the King James. What does complete mean? It means there's nothing incomplete. There's nothing lacking. In Christ dwelt all the fullness of God in bodily form, and we are complete in him. Lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. Craig mentioned last week, he was talking about the 23rd Psalm. He said, well, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then he paraphrased and said, the Lord is my shepherd, what else could I want? Beautiful. The Lord is my shepherd, what else could I want? You are complete, we are complete in him. But we've got to stop thinking about ourselves and how we're going to navigate this world and how we're going to fix things and how we're going to act if we wake up tomorrow and don't have two legs, how we're going to make it with two arms. If we wake up tomorrow with one arm, how am I going to make it with just another arm? If, if, I lose, if the stock market goes down, what am I going to do? If I get sick, what am I going to do? That's the way Saul lived, trying to save his life and asking God to kind of help. Or we have an alternative to give ourselves without reservation to the hands of him who is omnipotent, all-knowing, everywhere, and loves us so much that he didn't hold back the most precious and sacred thing to him, his son, for us. Paul also gives us a formula. He says, as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, as you received him as Lord, so continue to walk in him. Just in the same manner that you and I ask Christ into our heart, we must continue to walk in him. Now, how did you receive him? Did you receive him as a rich man? Did you receive him as a rich woman? Did you, did you come to him saying, you know, I've done this, I've done this, I've, I've fed the poor, I've, I've dug wells uh, in Africa? No, that's not the way we came to him. We came to him like a beggar reaching out to a king. And I like to think of that beggar Lazarus by this rich man's house. To beg, nobody wants to beg. You got no, if you're a beggar, you've got no resources. Probably you're crippled. Because if you could walk, if you could work, you probably wouldn't be begging. We came to Christ as beggars, bringing nothing to the table but need. And as the hand of a beggar reaches out to a king, that was the moment of our salvation. But Paul goes on to say, in the same manner that you received him, continue to walk in him. That means in 2018, that 
is this afternoon, we, he's telling us we need to live in that same mode, that same dependence. I'm a beggar reaching out to a king. I need you. 24-7. I need you in my relationship with my wife. I need you in my relationship with my employer. I need you in my relationship with my employees. I need you, I need you, I need you. The first verse of the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, it's not the poverty of our spirit that blesses us. It's the knowledge of our poverty that blesses us. Because the people who come to Jesus are the people who understand they need him, and they're impoverished without him. So it's the knowledge of our poverty that brings you and I to Jesus. So that's a truth that we must continue to remember every day. Apart from him, I can do nothing. That doesn't mean nothing can be done. But apart from him, we can do nothing that pleases him or will have any eternal meaning. And Jesus said of himself, apart from my father, I can do nothing. He says of us, apart from me, you can do nothing. The only difference between Christ and us is he never tried to do anything apart from his father. He lived 24-7 in this dependent relationship upon his father. And when he did, the deity of the father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, expressed the life of the father through Christ. Where Christ would say, the words I speak are not mine, but my father's who sent me. It's his authority. The works I do are not mine, but my father's. And that's what he has in store for each of us this year. If we will, do you think that we could possibly be as dependent upon Father as Christ was? You know, he had deity. He had a lot going for him. He never called upon it. Let's do that. Let's just really let it go. Let's, without reservation, give ourselves to the one who gave it all that we might be, as John said, Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters. He gave himself for us so he could give himself to us, so he could live his life through us. We need to think about ourselves, how needy we are, and about him, how sufficient, and not only sufficient, how loving, how online, and how much he wants to care for each of us today. We can bow our heads in prayer. Father, it's, um, it's amazing how we can miss such a big point in our lives every day. It's, we confess we can go through a day and maybe think of you three or four times or maybe no times at all unless something really big or bad is in front of us. But Father, we don't want to live that way this year. We want to not a minute go by that we don't think about you, think about you dwelling in us through your spirit, thinking about the fact that your spirit, according to your own direction, is praying for us, interceding for us, thinking about the fact that your son is seated at your right hand, always interceding for us. Father, we want you to fill our minds this, this new year with just just the consciousness of your presence, your attentiveness to us, and your desire 
for us to depend upon you that you might show yourself strong and capable and omniscient in and through each of us. Father, help us not forget that you want to truly love those around us, through us. You want to manifest your life into a dark and broken and fallen world through us. You truly, Jesus, you the light of the world, want to light our world through us, in our jobs, at our embassies, at our schooling, wherever we are. And so let us be ever mindful, beginning this day, of your presence, of your sufficiency, and the fact that we are your purchased possessions. Give us the grace to allow you to do with us for that for which you have purchased us. In the name of your Son we pray. Amen.